If you love all things movies, all things indie, or all things horror, then you've found yourself a home at Indie Horror Rising. Indie Horror Rising is a podcast from three tortured minds about indie horror cinema and indie horror filmmaking. Join the filmmakers behind The Nursery and The Headmistress as they go in-depth and behind the scenes of both the latest and most classic films on the indie horror scene. Stories, strategies, interviews, and more. Welcome to Indie Horror Rising. And welcome to Indie Horror Rising, your favorite weekly podcast about indie horror filmmaking, indie horror films, and indie horror filmmakers. Indie Horror Rising is a Three Tortured Minds production. I'm one of those tortured minds and the co-host of this podcast, Jay Sapiro. And I'm here today with the other co-host for this podcast. He's another tortured mind, my fellow filmmaker, my best buddy, Chris Miklas. Chris, how are you doing today, my friend? I'm all things uh, considered. I'm having a good day. Oh, good. Excited to be kicking off our second hundred uh, episodes uh, with this podcast today. <laughs> right. After our big, big, big hundredth uh, show last uh, a couple weeks ago, and then of course uh, we thought we were just going to jump right into a whole new batch of shows, and then I had to, I had to bow out of last week's uh, episode because I was having some health issues and. Uh, uh, but here we are back and uh, excited to be moving forward with a new uh, uh, indie film, a new uh, uh, interview with a set of uh, indie filmmakers. And so we're we're excited to be back and rolling along and uh, heading towards our second century of episodes. That's right. Uh, episode 101. We'll start telling everybody which episode this is every show. yes yes very important information i like that you guys one tell us what episode it is and two you talk about the weather quite a bit right. so, no, weather two things we know we get. no weather, no weather talk, talk today. today no i think yeah. as a matter of fact um we have three filmmakers on with us this week so what do you think should we introduce those three and then maybe get right to the podcast i think that'd be great so we're uh, going to be speaking uh with the film, a couple of the filmmakers, a few of the filmmakers behind the new indie uh, horror thriller, uh, Flee the Light, Flee the Light. And we're talking with um, the writer and producer of the film, Jennifer Mancini, and uh, two of the stars, the two leads of the film, Annie Tuma and uh, Ariana Marquise. So we're very excited. Uh, we had a great conversation with them. Mm-hmm. Sort of like our last episode, uh, we we talked to these folks a while ago, so yeah. we we apologize that, that it's taken so long to to get this podcast up and live. We apologize to them, but we had a great conversation, and we are going to bring it to you right now. An isolated home. I go crazy out here in the middle of nowhere. I think there are a few more houses around, but it's pretty spread out. An infant child. You are Julie Miller's first babysitter. A tragic secret. I never told you what happened to my mom. I know she died. That's what I tell people. The terrifying first film from the next generation of horror masters. Oh my God. The rising chill of panic. I'm sitting here with a bunch of paranoid hysterics talking about ghosts. There's no such thing as ghosts. The pungent stench of dread. And she was just staring at us. You just said you couldn't see her face. I know, but I could feel it. An evil demon from beyond the grave. 
We have to get out of here. Why is she doing this? Why is she after us? I don't know. Why now? Wrong. Riveting. Terror. The nursery. A new generation of horror is born. Welcome back to Indie Horror Rising. Thanks again for joining us this week. A psychology student attempts to cure her sister's crippling psychosis only to expose them both to its origin. An ancient creature intent on claiming their souls in the new indie horror thriller, Flee the Light. And joining us today on the podcast are the writer and producer of Flee the Light, Jen Mancini, along with its two lead performers, Annie Tuma and Ariana Marquise. How are you doing today, ladies? Good. <laughs> Welcome to Indie Horror Rising. Thanks so yeah. much for being here. We really appreciate it. Um, Jen, I'd like to start with you. You've, you describe Flee the Light as a, or in your, in your press materials, you say it's a spiritual horror film. And I'm just curious what that means to you and, and what drew you to this kind of, you know, subset of the genre that you wanted to explore spiritual horror for your first feature. Oh my God, you're starting with such a <laughs> downhill um, from here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm just, I can't wait to see what it's going to look like 10 minutes from now. Right. No. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I guess what spiritual horror meant for me is just like transgressing or, or, or transporting yourselves into another dimension that's not, you know, the common place of what we see here and feel you know, with our five senses. So there's something more and you're, you're involved in that something more. So there's some sort of mythology behind it. And at the same time, it's scary, right? It's not like you're going into, you know, unicorns and, you know, puffy clouds. It's you're going in and you're encountering, you know, entities that are more powerful, scarier, and, and you're, you're exposed because you're in that world that is more. So you don't have the safety of, you know, oh no, it's not real. And, you know, I'm going to live in this five-dimensional world that is just, you know, around us. Does that and make is sense? It, is this Did something you've, you've been interested in? Is this something you've been interested in generally? And that's made you want to jump into it? Or was this just like you had the spark of an idea and you wanted to explore it? Because it does seem like you must have had some kind of a journey that took you to this kind of an idea. Um, yeah, I mean, I it's hard to, again, like really tough questions. I... I've seen certain things and felt certain things that were linked to places that I said to myself, you know, like, these are very obscure underground places, but there must be more around the world and there must be other people who know about them because there are places where you do, you know, transgress into other dimensions, whether that's, you know, purely internal and, you know, you're just on, I'm not talking about like a trip in a rave, but like you just have some sort of spiritual experience, right? So I wanted to make a movie about these places because I just wanted to, to kind of reach out to other people who I'm sure have felt them, you know, all over the world. Well, that's interesting because it, it kind of gets to with, with, um, with Ariana and Annie that you're, when you first read the script, knowing that, you know, this is the kind of horror we're talking about, it is very kind of specific with the spirituality. Did you connect with it on that level or did you read it? What was your reaction when you first read the script thinking, oh, I've, I've heard of something like this, or there's a connection, or this is just wildly creative. I would like to be part of this film. Annie, why don't we start with you? 
Cool. Yeah, I mean, I guess I definitely related to kind of what Jennifer was saying of the like traveling. Mm-hmm. And also when you're in that headspace, when you're traveling of like being open to anything that comes your way. Do you know what I mean? Um, I I mean, I love I try and bring that into my life in Toronto because it's just so beautiful when you're in a place and you meet these people and it kind of takes you away. So I think that that definitely was something that drew me into the story. Um, And along with that, like as Andra, you know, she gets brought there out of she doesn't want to go there. But still, when she gets there, it's still the energy is so powerful that it just kind of like whooshes her away and she meets someone. And, you know, which I think we is something that we can a lot of us can connect to from travel. Ariana, how about you? What did what did you think when you first read the script? Um, I really love just the the sister bond, anything with love, you know, kind of the real like humanity aspects. Mm hmm of the story that's what really drew me to it i think everything else was just an added bonus and something fun to explore but it was really like the how grounded the sister relationship was that i loved yeah ariana just building on that a little bit your your character undergoes like a pretty serious transformation you know over the course of the movie sometimes back and forth you know in the beginning she's kind of like this train wreck and she's unstable and then (laughs) and then you get like this strength and you know you kind of go from more the victim to the one who's you know who's taking responsibility for the safety and well-being of her sister that's got to be as a as an actor that's got to you, you got to love characters like that where you get to like <laughs> do different things but then you know explore you know this uh this personal journey uh throughout the course of the film yeah it's i mean it's my favorite thing <laughs> it's uh it's better than therapy it was, uh, yeah it was such a trip and you know i i just loved exploring and going through every you know that whole arc and everything about it um, was kind of nice to, you know, be someone at the start and at the end of the film, you're someone completely different. That's just the ultimate reward. I want to go back to a little bit. You mentioned you love that aspect of of the sisters mm-hmm. and um, that dynamic really, uh, you really felt that and you were drawn to that. So did you two, you, did you two know each other before this film? Ah, I love this. Um, Annie, do you mind if I say something? Yeah, I started off. Okay, great. Um, <laughs> so... Uh, Annie and I met at the airport. She picked me up um, and we drove to North Bay together with Jamar, his place Sid. Oh. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, as soon as we met, it was just like, now, oh, okay, we're sisters. I think <laughs> right away. The drive was over. It was really special. And then, you know, getting to spend a month together in, at a hotel was just like, it, you, there's no bond, like um, a bond you create over working together mm-hmm. to make something there's really a language you develop between each other and Annie Definitely. and I have facts the whole time absolutely oh my gosh but even before that because remember in the audition because um uh, was, yeah the way back because it was a, it was a zoom audition because of this pandemic and I'd definitely done some but like still it was still kind of new in the pandemic so it's still kind of like feeling the vibes of chemistry reads over zoom they're always a little interesting and um so Ariana was reading for the sister and I myself have three sisters um and so right away I was like great 
sister relationships, bring it on. This is my like <laughs> truth, my life. <laughs> and then, and then we show up at the zoom room and it was just like right away. Like, okay, who's, who, who's this person? We, I, it was just like a connection. And you like, it's one of those things where you hang up the zoom call and then you're just in the room and you're like, <laughs> okay, I think that I, I think that went really well. <laughs> I think that's my sister. So it was fun then to meet at the airport and it was, and just went from there. They had a great connection on screen. I mean, and you work so well together, but then also Jen, you did a great job finding these two actors and putting them together because not only do they act well together as, as sisters, they're just believable. You know, you're on screen, you're watching this thinking, yeah, I, I buy it from their performances and just even how you look and how you kind of interact with each other. Because my question was, I was even going to ask if you could try to study each other's behaviors or hang out and talk about idiosyncrasies, whatever it might be, because you two did seem to really play off each other. I thought that was, you know, probably something that just drawing upon your acting experience, but Jen, you must've seen something in the two of them to say, okay, I can put them together on screen. Yeah, I mean, it happened because we were really one of the um, first shows to, to shoot after the first restrictions were lifted in the pandemic. Like we had to make calls every day, you know, do or die decisions. Are we gonna shoot? Are we not gonna shoot? Are we gonna go? Are we not gonna go? And we had originally, um, plan to have some European actors come down, but with the whole COVID thing, it was completely impossible. So we called up the casting agent. Ariana was already on board. She actually was on board and aware of the project for about a year, a year and a half before we actually shot. So she had read drafts of the script that were quite different from what we actually shot. But, you know, Annie just came in, jumped in the, you know, the Zoom call and right away we saw that they were just great together. And, the chemistry was there. So we said, you know, let's go. And the same thing with Jamar, like, you know, I spoke with him on the phone the first, you know, one day and I said, can you leave tomorrow? And can you go to the <laughs> airport and meet them? Because one of the actors is landing and, you know, Annie's going to drive everybody. And he was like, okay, okay, okay. I'll just <laughs> have everything in my suitcase and go to North Bay. And it was very, you know, stressful and hectic. And we also had like the masks and the temperature checks and, the COVID testing on top of it all. But we were staying in a very nice hotel. It was a small town. It was like camp, you know, summer camps. Like we would hear people running in the halls at night in the morning. We knew, you know, it was, we didn't have alarm clocks. We just heard, you know, the noise of our crew getting ready. And, you know, we went with it and it was fun, um, which I think is the most important thing. But uh, yeah, no, I mean, I don't know if you read any of the reviews that uh, the movies got. And uh, one thing that they consistently say is that both leads like just ripped into the roles with <laughs> everything they got, you know? And I just think that is so absolutely true. Like they held absolutely nothing back you know, diving into the stream in October, musky infested stream in Northern Ontario with like, you know, five lifeguards standing there. And there well, was just... <laughs> no, I was saying, well, that was really great though, because there was a sauna that the guy who owned the property like lit a sauna and was like, so, cause I had to jump in the water. And then he's like, but don't worry, there's a sauna. And I'm like, I'm from Minnesota, bring, there's a sauna. I can jump in this water. I don't even need a wetsuit, like bring it on. <laughs> so yeah, that was a blast. <laughs> And you, you said early on in that answer that you that uh, uh, Ariana had seen uh, multiple versions of the script. So uh, how did how did she get attached? Or maybe that's a question for you. Or how did you first get attached? Did you, was it at the concept stage? Were you, were you involved in like kind of 
putting it together as it was being developed? What, what was that process? I was introduced to Jennifer um, and we went for coffee in, mm, oh, I forget my Toronto neighborhood. 2019, maybe? I think we chatted for an hour or two or something and just, you know, I was always, I was always in the loop and, you know, always just uh, checking in. And then one day in July, I got a call and I was like, okay, so we're going to film in September. And I was like, okay, why are you telling me this? <laughs> and I was like, well, you ha- you're in it. And I was like, well, since when? <laughs> um, so yeah, it was a, uh, it's just one of those things that just, uh, you know, you network, you meet people, they remember you, they introduce you to people, and then it, it works out. It's kind of one of those uh, patients and a bit of a blessing. So, yeah. So, so were you were you thinking of, uh, did you have Arian in mind as you were developing the character then, Jen? Was that someone where you were picturing her as you were writing? Um, possibly a little bit for Delphi, yes, which is the, the character that she played, but, um, yeah, I think, I don't know, like, we, we, like, because of COVID, we didn't do a lot of things that we should have done, like, for example, we never had a table read, like, I as the writer and producer of the movie, never sat down with the actors and heard them read the script and heard their interpretation of things. And, you know, so really it was really a question of blind faith and blind trust. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah. And it just, it just worked out really well, you know, with Ariane, I think I just felt very securely that she was a talented actor and she was able to handle the role as it evolved. But um it's hard. It's hard to write for an actor also because like, you never know at the last minute, there could be an availability issue and they're not there. But, you know, I would think about her certainly sometimes when it was like the darker moments or, you know, when they say, you know, I always get told as a writer, like, you know, Oh, there was a little tiny scene where the girl is like going to bed and she's talking to the picture of her mother. We need more scenes like this. We need more quiet scenes with the actors, you know? And I thought about Ariana in those moments of the writing, like private, like what would she be doing? You know, not so much in the action scenes, um, but uh, more in like the, the character driven yeah. scenes, the drama scenes. Yeah. I'm dramatic. That's what she's saying. <laughs> <laughs> this is full of drama. Everything about you is drama. Yeah, not far off. <laughs> <laughs> well, keeping then with the actors, you mentioned J- Jamar, but then you also have Jane uh, Sibbery. Is that right? Yes. Uh, yes. And she's and she's a well-known musician. Is this? I think this might be one of her first uh, acting gigs. Yeah. Um, so th- that must have been quite a get for you with this with the film. And how did that come about? So Jane was somebody that was, um, we knew about her through the direct, well, we wanted to cast somebody. So first of all, this is a, this was a Canadian project and we really Mm -hmm. needed to cast Canadian actors. So we didn't have, you know, to choose from the whole world and we wanted to, you know, choose somebody for the role who had a very interesting face. And, you know, who was famous in the Canadian landscape of a certain age and she fit the bill and the director introduced her to the project and she was 
not sure at the beginning if she wanted to do the role because she's not an actor and it is a tough role, right? Mm. And there was even some stunts, you know, we had her levitate. She was, you know, put in a harness and it was, you know, something that she wasn't sure she could do. But um, at the end, she did it. And I think she did a really good job. I agree. She, she, you know, was supposed to be this transcendental character who comes and goes, you know, yeah. independent time and i think she pulled it off it's so wonderful to work with as well sorry no that's okay i, I just you mentioned uh, jay in this question said this is one of her first gigs but annie if i'm not mistaken this is your first feature right yeah your first yeah. feature film I, what was it like going from shorts and working in you know other formats to not only being in your first feature but you're like one of the two leads that is in almost every, you know, frame of, of the film, you know, I, I imagine there's a lot of pressure to that, but that must've been just so exciting to kind of like say, this is, this is my project. Yeah. Yeah, it was. I was like, uh, I've done lots of theater um, primarily and have been trained, I guess, like trained in that and then done a lot of, uh, and so it was, yeah, it was, it was definitely like so exciting was the main thing that I felt. I was just like, and again, to do a sister role where I, that's such a relationship that I really connect with um, was kind of took away the fear from it. And then I, um, but yeah, it was mostly just so exciting. Cause I've, I've really, I've done theater and I've been really trying to transition into film. Uh, Cause I, I do love it so much from the shorts and stuff that I have done. And so it was so amazing to have an opportunity like it's just a gift to give to get a feature and to have not just like, you know, a day player where you come in for one scene or something like that, but to have a full character arc and so fascinating also to see how that character arc changes through editing and through, you know, so many different facets. So I feel like I learned so much and and I, I loved it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have to just follow up to what, what's what was what's kind of fun or I seems like it would have been fun about uh, for you being in this film is by the end of the movie, and we don't generally do spoilers, so I don't want to say too much about it, but you kind of assume a pretty transformative uh, <laughs> uh, posture late in the film. And with, you know, whether it be practical effect makeup or, or, or special effects, whatever it was, that had to be just wild to like, you know, go from, you know, playing this character who's, you know, just a regular person and then suddenly you're this presence you know this kind of evil presence uh that had to be like just totally wild it it was it was it was pretty wild yeah. and just getting to to set and you know taking the time to put put all that on and and then and then have makeup touch-ups and drink this black thing so that your mouth's black and then act and then put these teeth in your mouth and then trying to drink water through a straw and you know as as you're fully decked out um the best was when Annie would, we'd have lunch and Annie would just still be like that. We'd <laughs> be sitting on a bridge in the middle of nowhere eating our sandwich. And I'd look at her and be like, what is going on? <laughs> I'm like, I look like this. Here I am. Yeah. So are, you mad about, are you mad about something right now? Or are you, yeah. you seem like you're angry about something. She, she really hates Mondays. Don't, uh, don't get her started. And it's quite uncomfortable. It wasn't it, Annie? Like you weren't comfortable with all that garb on uh yeah no definitely not like <laughs> comfortable like your skin just kind of feels like you're like as the day goes on you just kind of want to rip it off and then when you at the end of the day it does kind of get ripped off um <laughs> but 
Yeah. Well, I'm going to jump back to your performances again, because when, when looking at the film, just to examine your performances, it just became quite clear that you both had to put yourselves through so many, a lot of emotionally difficult situations, but then also in physically demanding scenes and situations. Were you two just like worn out by the end of the each day or were you just running on adrenaline knowing you're making this feature? Because it isn't, there's not a lot of like this, we're just going to sit here the whole time and talk. I mean, there is some of that there, but you guys really do get involved with a lot of high emotions and ups and downs. And again, the physicality that you two go through quite a bit it just had to wear on you. Or I tell us, tell us a little about that, about how your experience with that. And maybe it's Ariana, we can start with you. Sure. Yeah. Um, it was, it was very demanding yeah. for sure. And I think we did run on adrenaline and, uh, but also, you know, Annie and I are, um, I think emotionally we are intelligent to a certain extent, hopefully for our age. And uh, we were really able to, um, jump into these moments and the, and the taxing scenes and be able to just be there with each other and support each other. And exactly like we knew how to communicate what we needed. So when I had, you know, if it was my coverage and it was a challenging scene, Annie would know when I would be ready or and vice versa. I would know when Annie was ready. Like we just knew how to support each other. And, um, and, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I almost want to say like it was hard. Obviously, it was mm-hmm. challenging, but it wait, it was easy because of how we also had five days of prep. And I think we talked a lot about like, okay, when we go into this scene, what do you think you're going to need, and what do you want to talk about, and how what can I do to help support you? It was honestly like talking about it. I'm overwhelmed. It was a lot of support. Hmm. Annie was there for me the entire time. And honestly, so was the crew. Everyone was very, everyone held space. It was beautiful. Hmm. It's interesting. Annie, you had the same reaction? Yeah, absolutely. It was just like, I mean, I remember, you know, like me and Ariana would just like kind of look at each other sometimes and we'd have like a moment before where you just kind of, you know, have this communication or even in scenes. I remember there was a scene that you weren't even in Ariana and you like came for me just to be there, um, which was so beautiful. But yeah, it was and so, so we, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like, yeah, everyone was so supportive and, you know, it's so cool as an actor also to like go into those scenes. I think it's also cause so often for, you know, like little day players and that you, like I was saying, you just come and you do a quick little thing, but you don't get to dive into like an exorcism, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. And um, and kind of just see see where that takes you. Yeah. Well, it's funny, and, and don't don't take this the wrong way, because Jay and I also make kind of supernatural horror films, and I always wonder as the actor, as the performers in the film, there's like this level of trust, right? Because you're you you get into these situations in a movie like this where, you know, it 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 tests the boundaries of uh of willful suspension of disbelief right and you you know you either something is happening to you that's you know that's supernatural or you're seeing something and when you're shooting it you've got to be you've got to be thinking like boy if they make you know the effect look bad this is just going to be so embarrassing you know i'm sitting here acting my heart out but 
if it in the end, this could look silly if they don't do it right, you know, or if I have to react to something that's not there and then they put it in and it's just something, you know, I got to think that's so hard as an actor to kind of to be to be reacting against potential as opposed to, you know, some sort of reality. I, I would imagine that's just so hard. Kind of sounds like a big old life lesson. <laughs> yeah. You can't really go into it with that mindset. So what do you go into it with? What's your mindset going into it? You just act. Huh. Yeah, just. <laughs> I know. Don't for that to sound like obvious. Yeah. Um, yeah, imagination. I, I know, mean, Annie, you had more scenes that were like that, I think, than me. I mean, it was like, I'm just thinking when Jane was getting when I'm like on the ground, like writhing and Jamar's like holding me mm. and Jane's getting lifted above me. It totally was. That was actually a pretty crazy day on set uh, because it was like, it was, there was really funny moments when she would start to like turn away from me. Sure. And then it was yeah. just like, she's <laughs> up in the air, like singing a song. Cause she's hilarious and super funny. And so she's, you know, if it starts to turn away. And so that happened one time. And then aside from that, it was also really, it's like, you don't know how much is also going to, you know, get put into a movie, but you just have to put every moment your full heart yeah. into it. Um, and so that little scene is just a little blip in the, in the, sh in the movie. But when filming it, it's like, it was like so many takes of me on the ground, like struggling to get out of Jamar's arms and like really really struggling you know because it's and I remember the next day I was so sore my whole body from just literally like because you know the director was like go for it all she did was she came up to me and she was like go for it and then I was like oh okay and so you just you know you dive in but then you I read one point it was like you break down in tears you go outside I'm like give me five minutes come back let's do it 18 more times you know <laughs> but yeah, you talk about seeing those moments. It makes you think, did did you all get to see this film in theaters, like as a screening with friends and family or or beyond that or whatever it might be? You did get a chance to do that? Yeah, we saw it at uh, Blood in the Snow Festival in Toronto. Oh, you did? How was, oh, so how was it? Because that, that's a huge thing. Chris and I, obviously everybody loves it, but you love to go see your your feature with people in the room. And we see it all the time with editing. And then, you know, if it just goes away, you put it on video on demand or whatever it might be. But there's something so special about seeing it in the theater with maybe, you know, friends, family, and maybe, you know, crew. How was it for you all to actually see that feature film and see you up Real there on the people, screen right? with people? Yeah, how was that? Yeah, people. Um, it was great. Jamar was horizontal the whole time, and I held his hand. <laughs> and then I had Annie on the other side. Also, we're holding hands. It was kind of a trip. It was really fun. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was, it was amazing. It was, um, we, we mixed the, the sound at the Royal Theatre, which is um, where the Blood in the Snow Festival was being held. So I was just sitting in that theatre thinking, you know, how I had been there months before doing all the sound mix, all the color yeah. check, all of the, the stuff and the entire process and thinking, oh my God, it's like, it's finished now. <laughs> it's <laughs> gone, it's out there. And right. Tremendous sense of relief, you know, because it's such a long process with so much uncertainty that you really have to have faith. Well, it's funny you say that, Jim, because you um, we chatted briefly earlier and, and you mentioned 
that you did something that I think a lot of filmmakers don't do. You know, we find that a lot of indie filmmakers, you meet people at festivals or whatever, and they make a film and they were really proud of the film. They submit it to festivals, but they just have, don't have any conception of like how to get distribution or how to make sure that it's seen by good. My understanding is you reached out to distributors before you even in early in the development process and got a got a commit got a distribution commitment before you even shot the film. Is that correct? Yeah, we got uh, that was a cold call. Everything <laughs> about this project was a cold call. Like it was it's really a question of faith, like I said before. But we, you know, this project was funded by Canadian grants and they want to see a distributor on board or you're not competitive. So it was clear that we we needed a letter of intent. And I had been through, you know, all of the Canadian distributors and they wouldn't give me a letter of intent. And, you know, it had been months that, you know, I was shopping the project and they were like, low budget horror, nah, no thank you. Or, you know, uh, oh, not actra, non-union, mm, shot in Northern Ontario in the woods, another witchy horror in the woods, no thank you. So I was, you know, huh. getting desperate, but not desperate enough to quit but I, I ended up just emailing a bunch of U.S. distributors and Breaking Glass Pictures you know God bless Richard Wolf and his team at Breaking Glass Pictures they answered me like within half an hour and I and they said you know yeah sure we'll support this project what do you need a letter of intent that's that's absolutely no problem for us and I you know within two days I had a letter of intent from them and um it was just on faith, you know, and and we ended up actually, you know, once the film was, so that was not a commitment, right? It was just a letter of interest. Mm -hmm. They wanted to see the film, right? They're, they're, you know, they have a certain reputation in the market. They don't just distribute anything. So after the film was finished, they saw it and they liked it and they took it on. So it was like a beautiful closure of, you know, the relationship as they saw that the film progress and, you know, through all the different stages but but yeah and you know today the film was launched on TVOD all across North America so Canada and the US and we have um, a deal to get to the distribution in Latin America and also in Europe going so it, it's going really well it's a lot of work to you know <laughs> make sure it's you need to have a good sales agent you know you really need the right partners uh, it would be almost impossible to cover all the territories alone. Like, it's just, you know. But, uh, yeah, you know, Breaking Glass in the U.S. and Wasabi Films in Canada taking care of international. So far, it's it's been good. The film is getting out there. And that's all I could ask for, really, is that it gets seen and it gets to the audiences and they make their own decision about whether they like it or not. And you said it's available now. Rent or buy? Fantastic. It's available now. Exactly. So we're doing TVOD and I believe that window is going to stay open in perpetuity. And then we're going to move on to SVOD and the other, you know, broadcast windows. That's that's terrific. The the film is Flee the Light. It's really creative, really fun. Uh, excellent job to all of you, both behind the camera and in front of the camera. And thanks so much, Jen and Ariana and Annie for, for joining us on the show. We really appreciate it. We wish you just the best yeah. of luck with the film. Yeah. Thank you so much for having us. Oh, absolutely. And Jay and I will be back uh, right after this quick break to wrap up this edition of uh, Indie Horror Rising with our bloody good stuff and more right after this. Without sound, the radio is just a box in your car. 
Without a signature sound, your business is just like the other guys. Don't be like the other guys. Let Audio for the Arts help you find the right sound for your business. You've already heard ads produced by our staff here at Audio for the Arts on this and other stations. Visit audiofortheartscom or call 608-255-0511 to schedule a studio tour and consultation. And welcome back to Indie Horizon. Thanks again for joining us this week. And thanks also to the team from Flee the Light. Annie and Ariana and Jennifer. It was uh, great to speak with them and uh, great to uh, be able to talk about their new film. It was uh, Jennifer's first film mm-hmm. as both a writer and producer and uh, definitely uh, a lot of interesting things going on. We, we highly encourage you to check it out. Um, uh, uh, Pretty, pretty, pretty cool little indie film. So we're uh, we were excited to be able to uh, uh, that we stumbled across it and uh, mm-hmm. and uh, were able to to uh, share it with with all you guys. So thanks uh, thanks to them for their time and uh, and their uh, uh, really interesting answers uh, to what you and I often uh, come up with some pretty lame questions, but they managed to uh, <laughs> they managed to give us some pretty good answers. It's nice when when we have multiple people on the show, because yes. you can get, you know, if, if, if we fumble a question, one, two <laughs> or three of them can pick up and give us a good answer and make it a good interview. And, and they did that. Um, and like I said, having three of them on the show, it does make a difference. It's always interesting to get the perspective from a writer producer, from the actors, just to, you know, their point of view and the way they see the film and how it came together and how they approach things. So I agree. Thanks to the three of them definitely for, for joining us and, and taking the time to talk, talk with us about their film, flee the light on our show. Absolutely. And we, uh, I know we mentioned it before, but flee the light is currently available kind of wherever you get your streaming services. If you, you know, do Apple TV or uh, Amazon or voodoo or wherever you rent or buy your streaming entertainment, that is available right now as we speak. So feel free to uh, get through the rest of the podcast, of course, then of course. Uh, turn off your, uh, turn off your uh, podcast platform, turn on your streaming platform <laughs> and watch the light, but not until we're done, of course. And of course, first contact maybe a half dozen of your friends, tell them about this podcast, <laughs> then watch. The then light. tell them about Flea the Light as well. <laughs> and Then watch Flea the Light. Yes, absolutely. And you know what else you'll be able to tell them uh, when you talk to all those friends of yours? Mm-hmm. You'll be able to uh, share uh, something that we like to uh, call our bloody good stuff. It's kind of the one thing oh. we're, we're thinking about, we're talking about, we're we're watching, we're listening to, we're reading, what what have you. Uh, may or may not be related to uh, to this week's podcast. Um, I always am fed. J- Jay, for mm-hmm. the last hundred episodes, has <laughs> given us the most extraordinary, <laughs> compelling, and mind-bogglingly uh, entertaining uh, uh, bloody good stuffs uh, that any partner could ever ask for. And so I'm really excited to see what you kick off this <laughs> 101 episode uh, with uh, for your bloody good stuff. What, what do you uh, What do you want to share this week? Well, I'm going to talk about milk. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Just kidding. RV uh, Milk, the former mayor of... Uh, <laughs> that's right. That's right. Uh, no, my bloody good stuff this week really should speak to the filmmakers out there, specifically the folks who are involved in post-production. Um, if you use Adobe Premiere Pro, you're going to want to check out this latest version of the software of the editing platform. It's version 22.3, and it was released on April 12th, and it's it's like a phased rollout, so not everybody will have it if you do use Creative Cloud and Adobe Premiere Pro. 
Uh, but there's a lot of cool stuff that uh, that I've been reading about that I'm looking forward to to experiencing and using for you know, our films or just our work in general. Um, some of those things that folks will really appreciate, I think, is this new addition uh, with Frame.io with Creative Cloud, where you can it has built-in tools for client review and approval oh, cool. uh, for collaboration. Uh, there's something else that they've been working on for a while as part of Frame.io is camera to cloud. And this is the kind of thing that we would have loved to have had in our film shoots where while you're shooting, you can actually send the files live or live, yeah, live actually to the edit system. You can be editing while you're shooting. Um, Pretty amazing stuff. You have to buy hardware. There's a lot involved and it's really just starting out. This is at the the very beginning phase of of what's next for filmmakers. But if you're interested, um, they have some new tools built in for that. Um, But again, you have to buy extra hardware. Um, There's new speech text enhancements. Uh, There's all kinds of navigation things that'll make editing a lot easier. But what I'm also looking forward to uh, is this new... Uh, color correction that they have a new feature within color correction that's auto color. Um, and so it uses Adobe Sensei to accelerate the processing for uh, color oh. correction. Oh, cool. And so it may, it makes this whole process for coloring a film or a video or whatever, a lot easier. It basically reads the clip and the AI gets in there and it figures out what the best look will be for that. And you can change the intensity and then you can go in and do your final touches with your, with the coloring and, and, um, and corrections, but it's a really interesting looking tool that I can't wait to get my hands on, especially for our corporate work. I could use that to really just move a lot faster, not spend so much time with coloring, but also just thinking about what's next for us with films and how that could be beneficial as well. So, um, I'll send a link or we'll have a link out there that, that basically overviews all these new updates from Adobe, but there's a lot of cool things that I didn't mention as well, but we'll also put a link up for, um, a YouTube video you can watch where oh, you cool. can just get a good overview of it from Premier Gal. Um, I featured her YouTube channel on, in episode 56 of Indie Horror Rising. She was my bloody good stuff, but she did a really good job overviewing uh, some of these new tools. And I think any of you editors out there or just actually just filmmakers in general might want to look at this to know what's available to them because um, it can just help you when you're on set or when you get to the post process that these tools are available if you're using Premiere Pro. So that is my bloody good stuff. Very specific to filmmaking. Very nice. Thank you. How about you? You talking about Adobe Premiere Pro too? I'm so embarrassed that we have the exact same. (laughs) (laughs) Exact same bloody good stuff. You have to quickly pivot and just think of something on the spot. So here you go. Exactly. I am am actually going in almost the complete opposite direction with that. I'm going for something very light and uh, and fluffy. Um, And we have talked about this several times on the show in the past. Um, I may have in the early days been a, been my a BGS for me, but I'm revisiting it anyway, because as you know, uh, for the past 10 days or so, I've been pretty laid up, um, have uh, been almost completely uh, non-functional. <laughs> and so I've been finding ways to in- entertain myself. And one of the things that I've, uh, that I've been able to do is I revisited the, uh, one of my favorite uh, series, uh, of all time, and it's called Doctor Terrible's House of Horrible, and it is a. Uh, again, we've discussed it uh, mm-hmm. on the show before. I know, um, and you and I obviously have discussed it, but it's a uh, it's a BBC, a British comedy uh, horror comedy series starring Steve Coogan that uh, aired back in two thousand and one, and basically it's a it's a 
six episode is it one two three four five six yeah six episode um parody of the old like hammer and amicus horror films uh in which each episode uh kind of takes on a different uh subgenre of those films and steve coogan plays the lead and i find them just incredibly delightful and and completely mm-hmm. completely uh uh, hilarious um and also something that probably could never be made today i mean they're incredibly uh um on the edge in terms of humor and some of the uh um, non-pc-ness of it all um but they it completely uh uh i find them completely hilarious the, just real quick the the six episodes are called um the first one is called lesbian vampires lovers of lust and it's basically a spoof on the uh old hammer films where like a young soldier and his virgin bride are on their honeymoon and they come across a, a, a vampire's castle and uh, and fall prey to the vampire uh one called frenzy of tongs which is a uh, parody of like the uh, uh, uh fu manchu uh horror films of the uh 40s and 50s uh the curse of the blood of the lizard of doom <laughs> Uh, in which uh, a scientist injects himself with lizard serum and turns into a into a terrible uh, a lizard. Um, one called Now the Fearing, which is one of those more 1970s sort of psychedelic horror movies. Um, Voodoo Feet of Death, which is uh, a play on movies like The Hand, um, <clears throat> where the hero of this one is a ballroom dancer who gets his uh, feet chopped off with a giant pair of scissors and ends up uh, uh, getting replacement feet uh, of a murderer and goes on a murderous rampage. And then uh, say, uh, Scream, Satan, Scream, which is about a, uh, which is like a, a parody of the Salem witch uh, 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 movies like Witchfinder General from 1968, Cry of the Banshee, those kinds of Vincent Price movies. Terrific series. Every one of them is hilarious. Um, the title is a takeoff of the, uh, of the Hammer horror flick dr terror's house of horrors which is a great movie in and of itself um but this is dr terrible's house of horrible uh, it's available uh, on various uh places uh, i get it through amazon um had to purchase it but uh i i i strongly recommend it i think it's a terrific uh, series and it is full of laughs and uh and affectionate uh affectionate nods to classic horror films. So that's my, that's my bloody good stuff. It made the last 10 days a little bit easier. Just a t- nice. tiny, tiny, tiny <laughs> bit easier. <laughs> it was proved to be a distraction. It proved to be a distraction. A pain. Yes. Steve Coogan. Love him. <laughs> Steve Coogan, ladies and gentlemen. Love him. <laughs> Just love him. I, yeah. You know, we've talked about this, like you've mentioned a few times, a number yeah. of times. And I know how much you enjoy the series and those shows. I've never watched them. Never, never, I, this is, we, we always talk about it. And then I write it down like I just did again and I'll probably forget. And in another 20 years, you're going to remind me. I, you know, I feel like, I think that the episodes are only like, I'm not positive, but like 20, 25 minutes. I feel like you need to come over. We need to do this as a, as just a binge, like a four hour yeah. binge or whatever, and then do it as a, as a uh, dark dive. Uh, a great idea. Uh, it, it, last year would have been perfect because last year was the 20th anniversary. Um, but uh, I would say in the next couple of months, we should definitely do it. I think you specifically would love them. I think you'd think that, I, I think you'll find them hilarious. And I cool. think we'd have a lot of fun things to talk about if we, uh, if we did a dark dive on them. Done. Great idea. Great idea. End on a high note. Just wrap it up now, Chris. That's a great idea. <laughs> All right. I will wrap it up. Uh, thanks again to the uh, 
to the folks from uh, Flee the Light. Get out there, check out the movie. Thanks to Annie, to Ariana, and to Jennifer. We really appreciate them joining us on this edition of uh, Indie Horizon, as I appreciate Jay uh, being here as well, as always. If you want to follow us on social media, you can get us on Facebook at facebook.com slash three tortured minds, the word three tortured minds. On Twitter, we're at the number three, at Three Tortured Minds. And on uh, our blog is on WordPress, where you can get us at threetorturedminds.wordpress.com. Follow us on social media. Wherever you get your podcasts, go ahead and follow us, subscribe to us, like us, whatever you got to do uh, to make sure you get your podcast every week. Because it is a Podchaser. Do you listen on Podchaser? Jay, where do you listen to the podcast? Stitcher. Stitcher, you listen on Stitcher. I usually listen uh, right on my uh, iPhone, so it's Apple mm-hmm. Podcasts. Good option. Um, not my iPhone, my iPod. Let's get, let's get it straight. Very important that I clarify. <laughs> right now, oh. people taking notes are crossing <laughs> off. No, no, he didn't, he didn't mean that. But whether it's that, whether it's iTunes Radio, whether mm-hmm. it's uh, Pandora, wherever you get your podcasts, make sure you follow us. Get the, get the podcast every week and go ahead and leave a rating, leave a review. Let us know how we're doing. We really appreciate it. And I will also very much appreciate uh, seeing you, Jay, next week back for another episode as well as all our listeners. Nice. I'm looking forward to it as well. All right. We'll talk to you then. Sounds good. Bye-bye.